Father in heaven, we come in Jesus' name, and we just want to praise you and give you thanks that we still live in a free land where we can assemble together for worship. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, who inspired the writers of your holy word, would indeed speak to our hearts, each heart here, uh, and confirming in each life the truth of your word, the, the importance of understanding who you are and how much you love us and how much you are for us, even in a world that is against us. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. They always said that you know you're getting older when you start reminiscing about the good old days. Well, while vacationing in Florida this past week, I was talking with my father-in-law about some past hunting trips. And I recalled for him a time when he and his youngest son and myself went on a quail hunting trip with his favorite dog, Dixie Belle, at the time. This being my first bird hunting trip, I heavily relied on my dad's, my father-in-law's, as well as his son's, Mike's, his name was, on their hunting experiences. I learned throughout the years, though, many things from my wife Joy's dad about God and about what it meant to live for God in this world. But one thing I remembered about hunting was dad's very wise advice about shooting a shotgun at quail in the fields. He said to me, Steve, when you go to shoot, make sure your gun is pointing up into the blue sky. Why, you ask? Well, sometimes when quail are startled out of their covey in the ground there in the grass, some of them just fly above the blades of grass that are in the field. And he didn't want me to shoot his prize bird dog. I sure hope that as I was learning from my dad and my brother-in-law, Mike, that we are all wanting and willing to learn from others. That we have teachable minds and humble hearts. Because you know what will happen when we do? We will continue to be learners of what God wants us to know and live by in our lives. And it'll come from those God actually brings into our lives who are wiser and who are more competent than we. Crucial to this, though, to gaining such wisdom and such insight into life and how God wants us to live is making sure 
that we are keeping company with godly, wise, and experienced people. This morning, we read texts from the Old, New, Old Testament, from the Gospels, and from the Epistles. And we are going to be today in the company of three godly, wise, experienced men of God who are actually dealing with three distinctively different periods of time in biblical history, and who are dealing also with diverse life circumstances that they are facing. And yet together, as we read through them, all are facing their own mortality. And yet all of them desire to bless by communicating godly wisdom and experience to God's people who are going to live on. Before we look at these three men, I would like to ask you, if you were in that type of similar situation and you knew that your life was coming to an end, what circumstances of experience and wisdom would you want to share with your wife, with your children and grandchildren, with your family, your extended family, or with your close friends, or maybe even with this church family? when you knew that you were going to die. Some are already doing it. They're keeping personal journals of how God has been blessing their lives, how His Word has spoken to their hearts, and how God has been answering prayers that you have been lifting up to the Lord. And that through His loving grace and power being poured out in your life in times of weakness, of tragedy, making you strong in faith through those adversities. Others are actually posting signs up. They're using photos, paintings, calligraphies, and they're hanging them on the walls of their homes or in their offices or in their places of business. Or they're just gifting them out so that others are blessed. Still, there are many who are making spiritual memories they're doing it through their service to the Lord and the gospel ministry, both within as well as outside the church. They're testifying through their ministry of God's love, His mercy, His grace, His truth, His power to save sinners through the gospel. And whether you are young today, 
like these young guys over here, or you're much older, and I won't point to you. <laughs> One thing is going to happen. We are all going to die. And each one of us must consider seriously our own mortality. But also, what we are going to leave behind as our legacy of godly wisdom and experiences to those who would live on. In Joshua chapter 23, we're at a stage in Joshua's life where he has indeed led the nation of Israel into the conquest of the promised land. And there's peace on every side. And he calls all Israel, including the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers, to give them his final words. Remember, as we read there in chapter 23, verse 3, he says, he says to them, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done. Be and it was because of you, his covenant people. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. He goes on and he says, and the Lord, your God, will continue. He will thrust them out. He will drive them out from before you. And you will possess their land, just as the Lord, your God, promised you. One thing that we need to keep in mind in relationship to this word from Joshua is this. As God's covenant people, we must stay faith-focused on all that the Lord our God has done for us. For the Lord our God is He who has victoriously fought the battle to grant us salvation by faith in Jesus Christ and has promised through Christ a far greater heavenly inheritance yet to come. We must never, beloved, question that God is for us. And when we're not questioning that, we can go forward evoking and bringing to mind what Christ has done for us. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, he says this, If God is for us, who is against us? He, did not, he who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? The second point that Joshua gives to the people of God there is found in verses 6 through 8. He says this to them, Be very firm. 
to keep and to do all that is written in the book of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. As God's covenant people, we must remain steadfast, strong in our faith, in God's Word to us. By keeping it, by doing it with grace that God supplies, with gratefulness of heart, and in the close fellowship with our God each and every day. We must not turn aside to the apostasy of this fallen world and of our nation. But we must be resolute, separated from all of its powerful, and it is powerful, attractions as the people of God. We are to cling, hold on to, stay close to the Lord our God as we have done even up to this day. Never turn back. Never go the way of the unbelieving. Go forward in faith obedience with God. The third point he gives is found in verse 11 and 14. He says to them, So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. In verse 14, You know in all your hearts and in all your souls not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. We need to know that God, what God says He's going to do. As God's covenant people, we need to have such a love for the Lord. We need to guard our hearts from the things and the attractions and the, and the allurements of this world. We need to guard our hearts so that our love is not lost for the Lord our God. And we need to know in our hearts, in the depths of our souls, with a faith certainty that as God has said, so He will do. His promises to us in Christ will be fulfilled. He will never leave us, nor forsake us, nor fail His redeemed people. The promises of God in Christ are yes, and through Christ 
They are amen, as it says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Therefore, we must never lose our first love. Never lose our love for our God who so loves us. But go forward, grateful for His loving care and His devotion for us who are in Christ. We turn to the Gospel of Luke, and there we meet Simeon. We are told that he is a righteous and devout man, and that he was looking for the consolation of Israel, and that the Holy Spirit was upon him. It was the Holy Spirit that told him and revealed to him that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Christ. And he comes into, he comes in the Spirit to the temple. And there are the parents of Jesus. And when Jesus is brought in, he takes that baby into his arms and he blesses God. And notice what he says here. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then Simeon blesses the child and his parents. And he tells Mary, the mother of Jesus, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon was a man coming to the end of his life, a righteous and devout man. And he was walking and living in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God was directing his life. And as God's covenant people, we must function in our lives under the power and guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us so that we grow spiritually in the knowledge of God, and so that we are rightly aligned with God's purposes for our lives who are in Christ. Never try to function in life without asking the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you in the ways of the Lord. We should be doing that daily. Every morning when we wake up, asking God by His Spirit to guide us and direct us in the way He wants us to go. 
Never function in life without the Holy Spirit. Go forward with the Holy Spirit's presence, with the Holy Spirit's peace and power and guidance in your life. As Paul says there in Galatians 5, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Finally, we turn to the life of Paul. Paul exhorts young Timothy that he has been one who has been a faithful disciple. He has followed him through his ministries. He has gone through and heard his teaching and watched his conduct, saw his purpose, his faith. He persevered with him. He was even in the midst of the persecutions and sufferings that Paul faced in his life and ministry. And Paul makes it clear to him. He says, out of them all, The Lord rescued me. And then he says this to him. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You were given an example of what that persecution can be today through Christ's church. But what is Paul's admonition to young Timothy? Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. What are those things that he has learned and become convinced of? It is the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this to him, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all long-suffering. Why? With great patience and instruction. He says the reason is, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Therefore, he says, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then he tells Timothy this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 
as God's covenant people. We are, must be, by faith, persistently proclaiming the biblical truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as His true witnesses, despite the growing opposition by those who will not endure sound doctrine. We too, each one of us, are called to fight the good fight of faith, to finish the course keeping the faith, and to look forward to that heavenly reward from our righteous judge that will happen on that final day. Beloved, never concede to the opposition. Go forward declaring the gospel of Christ and finish your course. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who has endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. What are the five things that we can learn from these wise men? Never question, God is for you, and go forth with Christ, recognizing what He has done for you. Secondly, never turn back. Go forward in faith, in faith obedience with God. Thirdly, Never lose your love for God. Don't let anything come in. Don't love this world or the things that are in this world. They will take you away from the true love that we are all supposed to cling to, the love of God. Fourth, never Try to function in life without the Holy Spirit. Go forward in the Holy Spirit's presence, in His peace, in His power, and, and in His guidance. And then finally, never concede to the opposition. Go forward boldly, declaring the gospel of Christ, and finish your course. Amen.